You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. (laughs) Something else that that many of you didn't see is um, when the, the, the the caravans arrived and, and all the kids were getting out of the car here in the parking lot to reunite with moms and dads and brothers and sisters. There was a common uh, thread that all of them were communicating. And um, every single kid that I talked to um, at, at drop-off uh, where their parents were picking them up, they were all talking about going back next year. And that's what we want to see. I'm so, so thankful to pastor a church that values and invests in the next generation. And I'm thankful for Pastor Tina and the work that she is doing with our young people. The partnership, yeah, the partnership that's being created uh, for, for ministry with families. And um, if you are looking for a, a place, you're not serving anywhere, and you're looking for a place to get involved um, the best place, that's, this is not to knock any of our other teams, but as a former children's pastor um, who spent the bulk of my career prior to this in children's ministry, um, family ministry, the best place for you to get involved is, is with our, our kids and our youth, um, but only if you like to have fun and want to change the world. If you don't like either of those things, then I wouldn't recommend it, but if you do like to have fun and you do want to be a part of changing the world, then I would highly recommend you getting involved there. There is a place for you to serve um, in those environments and, and with, those, with those groups. Um, and we're going to continue as a church, um, we're going to continue investing in children, in teenagers, in families um, going forward, not just here in Nassau County, but, but to the ends of the earth, um, all around the globe through some of our Kingdom Builders partnerships. And that's, that's the kind of culture that we are going to create here. This is going to be a flagship church as far as I'm concerned um, for that kind of ministry that's taking place in our community. And our kids and our teenagers, they're always going to have priority here, always going to have priority here. And so that's, that's something that, that we're building in um, and, and, and want, to, want to make happen so, so badly because um, there, there's perhaps no group of people in the world today that the devil is targeting more than young people. And so it's, it's important for you and for me to, to pray for them, to pray for their, their parents, to, to link arms with them, for us to model for them what it means to be a person of faith and, and what it looks like to stand for Jesus in the middle uh, of struggle and, and difficulty. And, and, you know, we, we can believe the lie all that we want to and, and, and believe the, the false narrative, but um, there, there is not, there, there's still a generation, as you just saw in that video, there's still a generation of young people that is hungering and thirsting after God. 
and we're, we're not, as, as long as I'm the pastor here, we're not just going to lay down and roll over and let the devil have his way with the next generation. But we're going to be sure to, to wrap our arms around them and to do everything that we can to fight alongside of them so that the legacy continues through them. That's the kind of church, the kind of people that, that we're going to be. And so we need to show them, we need to model for them what it looks like to stand for Jesus in the midst of oppression and adversity. Because you and I know, those of us that we've walked the road a little bit, we know that a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. Because, see, the, the devil, he wants to tempt us in order to destroy our faith. But, but God will test us so that we can develop our faith. And so when we experience those tests and we stand firm for him, our, our faith gets stronger. And we come out on the other side even better than before. And, and that's what I want to take just a few minutes to talk about today. We're in part two of a series called Uncompromise, where we're taking a look over the next few weeks the book of Daniel from the Old Testament to, to discover what it means to live out an authentic faith in an age of overwhelming compromise. Last week, we heard an incredible message from my friend, Pastor Trevor Heineman from Generations Church in Canton, Georgia. If you missed that message, you need to go back, find our podcast, go to our, go to our website, visit our YouTube channel, um, and definitely watch or listen to that and get caught up. Uh, it was just an incredible message and that, that kicked off this series. And Pastor Trevor, he talked about the importance of our identity um, in an age of compromise last week. And, and this week, we're going to talk about the importance of influence in an age of compromise and how we can leverage that influence to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And I believe that the number one thing that is going to, to allow us to influence the world around us for Jesus is if you and I will choose to live with an authentic faith. So one of our core values is that authenticity is our lifestyle. The reason is, is because so many non-Christians, um, the, the, the world in general is turned off by, by these so-called Christ followers who we claim to follow Jesus, but we want to change the rules when it isn't convenient for us. We're, we're seeing so many people in this day and age, they want to deconstruct their faith by picking and choosing the parts of the Bible that suit them and then disregarding the rest and still call themselves a Christ follower. We either follow it all or not at all. There's no, there's no in-between. And so as a result, what we're seeing take place today is there are so many today that are living out a powerless, lukewarm, watered-down faith that ultimately bears no witness for Jesus. And so if you and I are going to make a difference for the kingdom of God in, in these last days, it's going to be because that, that we know, or in our case, uh, not just what, but, but whom we stand on. And when we know what we stand on, then we'll be able to know what we stand for. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. Daniel chapter 3, um, you turn there. It's quite long. It's 30 verses, but it's important. We're going to read the whole thing. 
Okay, so just bear with me. Um, Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4, then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Lowercase key, that's, or K, that's important there. Verse 5, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 8. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring for people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. And that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. And they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Verse 13, the Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And then they say five of the most powerful words in all of the Bible. Verse 18, but even if he doesn't. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage, and he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Verse 21. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Verse 24. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar said, 
or shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. The Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, their clothing was not scorched, and they didn't even smell of smoke. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. And so what we see taking place, the primary theme here in this, this passage, this entire chapter, it's, it's forced worship. It's, it's forcing people to choose between are they going to bow to the little, the little K king's demands, or are they going to bow to the uppercase K king's demands? And it's, it's forcing people in one direction to achieve a desired outcome on behalf of the leadership. And Nebuchadnezzar, he, he was the government leader at the time. He was the king of Babylon. And you may remember uh, from, from last week or perhaps reading Daniel before that the nation of Israel, they had been taken captive by, uh, by the, the land of Babylon. And so Nebuchadnezzar had brought in several um, of, of these, these young men uh, uh, who had promising futures, and he, he had brought them into his court. And among them were Daniel and Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego. And it's interesting that, that Daniel um, is not here in the middle of this narrative. And scholars uh, largely believe that the reason Daniel is absent in this is because he held such an important, such a high position that he was off in other parts of, of the world on official King Nebuchadnezzar Babylon business. And so so that's why he wasn't here. And so that uh, caused the, the magnifying glass to be put even, even greater and more, more strictly over Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And so the people, they start to zoom in and they say, okay, Daniel's away. And so he's not here to provide the covering for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. So we're going to take advantage of this opportunity while Daniel isn't in the picture. And in chapter 2 of Daniel, which we, we haven't talked about, Daniel gives... Uh, he, 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 he prophesies and he interprets a dream for Nebuchadnezzar about this gold or, or this, this large statue that's made of these different uh, elements that's going to be erected and, and how that's ultimately going to bring destruction. And Nebuchadnezzar, he ignores this warning and instead he erects this entire gold statue likely made in his image on this plain of Dura. And he, he doesn't invite, he commands for everyone to come and to bow down and to worship. So he's doing this under the guise of uh, trying, to, trying to unify people, these different people groups. We're talking about people on opposite ends of the spectrum, the people of Babylon and the people of Israel, trying to, to force them into universal idolatry. 
And, and, and this, this, was, this was a false unity, and it was based on false pretenses. And it was driven by the pride of the leader that was in charge. It was driven by lies, and it was driven by fear. I don't know if that sounds familiar to anyone at all whatsoever. Um, those who chose not to conform would be thrown into... Uh, this blazing furnace and be burned to death. So in essence, what Nebuchadnezzar had done is he had created the very first cancel culture. It's what he had done. If you, don't, if, if you don't bow and you don't do things the way that we want you to, then we're going to throw you into the furnace. You're canceled. You're fired. You're done. You're over with. And, and we're seeing this today in, yes, in our world, but particularly here as it affects us in the United States on, on a number of fronts. And, and I, I don't have time to talk about all of them, but one of the mo- more recent and prominent ones, uh, ways that this is happening in our country is with the LGBTQ plus movement. Um, it's, it's forced acceptance or worship that is being spearheaded by our government, and it is specifically targeting young people in our country. And, and John Wesley, he famously said this right here. He said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. And, and, and we can look uh, through the annals of history in our country and we can see how this has, has um, rang true time and time again. Consider this, 60 years ago, 1962, we're coming up on that anniversary, prayer um, that, that, was, uh, that, that was being led from school officials was, was removed. It was considered unconstitutional. You can no longer, um, as a teacher or as an administrator or whatever, you can no longer lead prayer in schools. All that has to be driven by students and everything. And so at the beginning of the day, you know, we would say the pledge to the American flag and then the teachers would pray over the kids in their classroom and everything. Well, you can't do that anymore. And so, so we, we took prayer out of the schools. And since then, teenage pregnancy rates have risen over 500%. A rise in baby, uh, there's been an overwhelming rise in babies that have been born out of wedlock. The divorce rate has skyrocketed over the past 60 years. Violent crimes have increased to the point that our prison system is completely and and, and totally overwhelmed. Um, SAT scores have declined steadily. There was a time in there where they plateaued for a little bit, but they've started to decline once again. Academic achievement has plummeted. Um, There's been an increase in illegal drug use. There's been an increase in juvenile crime and just an overall deterioration of school behavior to the point where now as a teacher, you spend more time dealing with behavior issues than you do with reading and writing and arithmetic. I know for a fact because I was married to a teacher. Still are. She's not a teacher anymore. We're still married, just for clarity. That came out way wrong. Yes, Sarah's my first wife, and we are still married to each other. She's just no longer a teacher. Okay. So now we fast forward 60 years, right? 
So we're, we're approaching the 60 year anniversary of this decision by the Supreme Court. And, and, and now we are being led to believe that this gay, lesbian, trans, queer, gender fluid lifestyle is no big deal. And that everybody's doing it, or at least everybody's okay with it. And that it's completely natural and normal. So that soon it won't be a big deal. And that soon everybody will be doing it or will at least be okay with it. And it will be accepted as natural and normal. And, and hey, look, if, if you have differing views on this than I do, or that our church does, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. And I, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying, okay? This, this is a place where, where you, don't, you don't have to believe to belong, and, and we want to do everything that we can to widen the door and lengthen the table, so you've got a seat here. There's, there's a place for you here. But as far as I'm concerned, the, the way that I see things, and, and as the leader of this house, the way that we're going to move forward, um, marriage is between a man and a woman only, and there are two genders, male and female, and that's how we're going to operate, because I believe that that's what scripture teaches and, and we're based on the Bible here. And so that's what we're gonna stand on. And I realize that that's not a popular thing to say. I realize that, that in this day and age, that, like, that's not cool or it's, it's not accepted. I'm not worried about being cool or accepted. And so that's who we're going to be. And so just know like that's a hill that we're going to die on. And, and if that ruffles your feathers, if that makes you uncomfortable, if you don't feel like that this can be your church as a result of that, I'd love to help you find another church in our city where you can attend. We've got some great ones. So just come and tell me, and I, I'll introduce you to their pastor. We'll find a place where you can get connected and plugged in. But you just need to know this is who we're going to be and how we're going to, to operate moving forward, okay? So... This past month in, in June, it, it, was, it was Pride Month, right? And, and I find it kind of ironic that that's the label that is put on it, Pride Month. And, and anyone who's read scripture knows what happens as a result of pride. And, and so some of the things that, that we experience, if, if you were on social media at all or, or perhaps just surfing the web or even on commercials and everything, we saw companies that, that changed the, the look and the feel of their logos to be inclusive of these other groups and, and to, to embrace and to welcome them with, with rainbow stripes and, and different colors and, and things like that. Um, Disney Plus, uh, which is targeted towards, uh, specifically towards families, um, of which I am a subscriber. I'll just put that out there. Like, um, they stream their This Is Me Pride Celebration Spectacular, which highlighted children and young adults who have embraced alternative lifestyles and were commended for their bravery in doing so. Nickelodeon, another popular channel um, geared towards children and families who in 2020 made claims that their flagship character, SpongeBob SquarePants, was in fact gay. Am I actually even talking about this from the pulpit? This is where we have come to as a nation. SpongeBob is gay. And they pushed the envelope even further this past year when on its primary channel, along with Nick Jr., its channel that specifically targets preschool age children, with video content uh, 
that champion trans, queer, and pansexual inclusion, including the music video The Meaning of Pride, which featured drag queen Nina West singing about the various colors and their representation in the LGBTQ pride flags. The San Francisco Gay Men's Choir took it even a further step. I don't know if you've seen this video that was floating around. It got shared quite a bit on social media. The opening, I, uh, it, it, it was all I could do to stomach it, to, to watch it. I, I felt as though I was staring in. Like you can just tell the, the young man that, that opens singing the solo, that opens this song, like it, it, there, it's, he is under demonic uh, uh, possession. Like you, you're staring into the very face of evil. This video, the, this song was, was aimed at Christian conservatives primarily. And it includes the following lyrics. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. It happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. Yes, we're coming for them. We're coming for your children. Folks, the the devil isn't, he's not hiding anymore. He's putting out on the forefront exactly what his plans are and how he is attacking and the the things that he is doing. But I came here to say that as far as I'm concerned and as far as this church is concerned, that just because the United States government recognizes something as just or right or true does not mean that the God of heaven does. And so we, we don't have to stand for that. And, and this is just one example of, of what we are dealing with at current. Like, uh, it's just one small little thing compared to the, the, the entire smorgasbord of everything that is out there that is oppressing Christians and, and trying to, to push faith in Christ to the fringe. See, you and I, as believers in these last days, we, we may not be facing a literal fiery furnace, but make no mistake, standing for God in the midst of a godless society and culture will cause you to have to face the fire. And so I, I, just, I just want to, I, I want to let every, like, if this is something that you're going to do, you need to know what's coming. You need to know what to expect. Re- Revelation 13 and 14, you can read it for yourself, but, but both of them, they make it clear that as the day of the Lord's return approaches, that, that the, the fires of the furnace for, for those of us who are believers in Jesus, they are going to be heated seven times hotter. We're going to experience that. And, and to truly live for Jesus in the last days means that we are to expect opposition to come. But not only can we expect it, we should embrace it. Here's why. I've come to discover that, that opposition is often opportunity in disguise. And so not only should we expect opposition, but we should Embrace it because it's going to give us an opportunity to, to show Jesus to the world around us. It's a quote by Warren Wiersbe. He says, the difference 
between the true believer and the unbeliever isn't the presence of faith because everybody lives by faith in something. The difference is in the object of that faith. And these three Hebrew boys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, their faith was rooted in their identity like Pastor Trevor talked about last week. And they knew that they could stand because they knew what they stood for and they knew who was standing with them. And so they were able to maintain their faith because it was built upon the object of that faith that they had was was the one true living God. And so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. I'm going to give you the big idea um, at the front before we dig into this any further. And the big idea is simply this. When we stand for God, he will stand for us. I think that that's what this passage communicates so clearly, that when we choose to stand for God, he will stand for us. And there's two choices that we have in this matter. We can choose either faith or we can choose compromise. Faith or compromise. And those things, that creates the tension. And that's what's working uh, uh, against each other and and, and puts us in this tug of war. Are we going to be people of faith or are we going to be people of compromise? And that's what's at stake here. And so faith, I would define as obedience to God in light of the concern within us, the circumstances around us, or the consequences before us. But compromise, which is the opposite of faith, is is this choice that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had. It's this idea that, well, you know, we could probably do way more as officers in the king's court than we could as ashes in the king's fireplace. And so they start to rationalize, maybe like, what if? And that's how we get sucked into this. Well, it's not that big of a deal. And as long as I still have my life, as long as I get on the inside of these, then I can work things from the inside out to make a difference. But Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego knew something that's very important that you and I need to realize today is that we can't bow our knee without also bowing our hearts. We can't bow our knee without also bowing our heart. And it's this kind of authentic faith that is the key to unlocking influence. And and if that's the key, then, then what is the litmus test for what that faith should be like and look like and feel like? And so if you're taking notes, I want to talk about four markers of authentic faith. Four markers of authentic faith. Number one, the first marker of authentic faith confronts the challenge. It confronts the challenge. In verse 12, it says, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Now, this was not an act of dishonor toward Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't. They weren't dishonoring the king and their position as officials in his court. They were just showing honor to God who trumps the king. They they were skipping over the honor of the lowercase k king to show true honor to the uppercase k king of kings. So honor is our calling, and it's important that as we confront these issues that are taking place in our culture and society, that we do them honorably. That we do them honorably. Notice Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's approach. They, they didn't lead a rebellion. They didn't plan a boycott. 
They didn't condemn the king for building his idol. They didn't take to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter to highlight their persecution. They didn't argue all of the reasons why they shouldn't have to bow and why it wasn't fair and all of this stuff. They didn't need to defend their decision in the matter. They just simply refused to bow. They didn't make a big stink out of it. They said, basically, you do what you got to do. We're going to do what we got to do. And so no matter what, we're not going to bow. See, we, we say the word confront or confrontation, and people get really queasy really quick. Ooh, I don't like that. But confrontation, it, it doesn't have to be a bad thing, and it's possible for you to be confrontational without being a jerk. And that's how Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego handled themselves. They were confrontational, but they weren't mean about it. They just said, do what you want. This is where we're taking our stand, and we will not bow. So number one, number one, the first marker of an authentic faith is that it confronts the challenge. Number two, it confesses the Lord. It confesses the Lord. In verse 16 of Daniel 3, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us, and he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. See, they're still honoring him. You're, they're, they're referring to him as his title. Verse 18, my favorite verse um, out of this passage, one of my favorite in all of Scripture. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. See, they had decided ahead of time how they were going to behave. And you and I, we need to decide right now how we are going to behave in the midst of adversity and oppression and in the midst of things that come against our faith and try to encourage us or force us to bow our knee to something that is not in line with the scriptures. We can't wait until the fire gets cranked up seven times hotter to determine how we're going to decide how we're going to respond because then we'll buckle to the pressure every time. So we've got to decide now how when we get into that situation, when it arises, this is how we're going to behave. Joshua talked about this in chapter, Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you would serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served before the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He made the decision ahead of time. This is who I am, and this is how I'm going to be, and this is how I'm moving forward from here on out. And so we get to this place where, where Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they had already decided how they were going to behave. And they said, we're not going to bow because we believe that the God that we serve, that he can rescue us from the flames. And in verse 18, I told you the, so five of the most powerful words in all of scripture, but even if he doesn't, we read that and we're like, wait a minute. Are they, are they questioning God here? Like, but 
Are they, they providing themselves a loophole? And, and we need to understand that, that this was not doubt in God's ability. It was a recognition of his authority. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were putting themselves in the position saying, hey, hey, we're not God. And guess what, King Nebuchadnezzar? Neither are you. There's only one God and all of us, we are not him. He's the one in control. He is the one that has all the authority. And so, so they were placing complete and total trust in his sovereignty, that the God of the universe, that, that he knows best and that he has his best, our best interest at his heart. And so if that means that, that our best interest or, or Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's best interest was to perish in those flames, then so be it. But they still weren't going to bow. And I love what they said. They said, but even if, that word even is important. Because the question that I have for you this morning is, is will you obey if or will you obey even if? See, that's two very different things. If is conditional. If is comprised of, of, of begging or, or bartering or, or bargaining with God. If you will do this, if you will heal me, if you will provide financial wealth and, and, and provision, if you'll give me that promotion, if then I'll behave, then I'll get in line, then I'll honor you, then I'll worship you. But even if, where if is conditional, even if is confidence. It's based on belief. It's not bartering. It's not begging. It's not bargaining with God. It's just believing in his word and who he says he is. That even if he doesn't choose to move, I'm still going to stand and worship him. What kind of person are we going to be? What kind of Christ follower are we going to be? Are we going to be an if or are we going to be an even if. So number one, four markers of authentic faith. Number one, it confronts the challenge. Number two, it confesses the Lord. Number three, it confounds the enemy. It confounds the enemy. Verse 24 of Daniel 3, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors, they crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched, and they didn't even smell of smoke. Wait, didn't I put three in there? Then how did three turn into four? Nebuchadnezzar says one of them looks like a god. No, it wasn't a god. It was the god. It was the pre-incarnate Christ. It was Jesus that was in the fire walking around with them. And, and they pull them out of the fire and their, their hair wasn't singed, their clothes weren't scorched, there wasn't even any smoke smell. I looked up some stats. In only three and a half minutes, the heat from a house fire can reach over 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit. In rooms that are not even on fire, 
The temperature can reach over 300 degrees, and this is hot enough to melt plastic and kill the people in these rooms. And most people that die in a fire don't necessarily do so because they are burned, but it's because of all the smoke and the chemical inhalation that takes place. The fire was so hot that it killed the guards that threw them in. Yet, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's hair wasn't singed. Human hair burns at 451 degrees Fahrenheit. That's in my Google search history forever now. <laughs> Their clothes weren't scorched, but, but cotton clothing, it burns at 410 degrees Fahrenheit. And not only was their hair not singed, not only were their clothes not scorched, they didn't even smell like smoke. You've stood around a campfire before. You walk away and it's, it's in your clothes. It's on your skin. They didn't even smell like it because it wasn't just a God. It was the God that was in the fire with them. Isaiah 43 says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. See, we not be, may be able to avoid the fire, but we're also not going to be alone in the middle of it. Because Jesus is going to be right there with us. In the days to come, you and I, we're probably not going to be able to escape the difficulty. But through Christ, we can endure it and we can come out better and stronger on the other end than when we went in. If this is how we will choose to live, if we'll live with an authentic faith that confronts the challenge, that confesses the Lord, it's going to confound the enemy. And then finally, number four, it's going to confirm the promise. It's going to confirm the promise. Verse 30, our chapter closes out this way. It says, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. See, what started as persecution, God ended in promotion. And somebody here today, you need to understand, you need to realize that if you're not dead, it's because God is not done, that he's got something greater in store for you. You may feel like you are under the gun of persecution, but God is working everything out behind the scenes on your behalf where we're going to see that turn into a promotion. It was this one small act of faith and obedience that you and I are still talking about thousands of years later. It's what brought the Apostle Paul to unlock this secret as he writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians 1, 20 through 21. He says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. Nobody can take away something you were never holding on to in the first place. See, for the believer, to take away this life only leads to something better. 
That's why on that banner out front, as you walk in or as you drive by, it says, live for something more. This is not what we're living for. We are living for something so much greater. And to take this away means that we get to inherit that. Nobody can take away something that you're not holding on to in the first place. So stop holding on to this life and start clinging on to Jesus. That's how we confirm the promise. That to live while we're here on this earth, to live, it's Christ. But to die is gain. Because I know where I'm headed. I'm going to be in heaven for eternity with my heavenly father. For those of us that have placed our trust, our hope in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's what we have to look forward to. If you're here in the room today, you're watching with us online, maybe you've spent way too much time holding on to this life and the things of this world. I wanna encourage you, let go of that and take hold of Jesus instead. If you'd like to do that, if you're, if you're here with us today, if you're watching with us this morning and you would like to do that, you'd like to enter into a relationship with Jesus, you would like to exchange the relationship that you have with the world for a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came down from heaven and died on a criminal's cross and was risen from the dead on the third day so that you could be healed and made whole and forgiven and set free from your sins. If, if you'd like to step into a relationship today and secure your eternity forever and ever and ever. It's as simple as A, B, C, admit, believe, choose. And if that's you this morning, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's gonna be on the screen if you need it. We just pray this together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.